You're in the zone. As you're eating it, you're sobbing because you know you're ashamed of yourself. <laughs> With Jason Anderson. But then afterwards, like, just a complete and utter shame sets in. Um, I, so I had to leave it off. Because at 31 years old, I can't go somewhere and eat and just start crying in my roast beef and cheddar because I know it's disgust. On Sports Radio 810 WHB. Rolling on in the zone here on Sports Radio 810 WHB. Joshua Briscoe and Beards McFly with you. Know Jason Anderson today. Hope to have him back off the injury report shortly. Joined now by our friend from Fansided, the Stack in the Box podcast, the Arrowhead Addict podcast, all across the Fansided world. And really, just you're just likely to find him in your local Arby's if you walk in at the right time of day. Matt Verderam. You can follow him on Twitter at Matt Verderam as well. Matt. The Super Bowl is over, and we're a full like few hours away from the NFL having new deadlines to start landing. I mean, hope you had some time to catch your breath. Breath, breath. Excuse me. Well, that's going to get in the cuts. Catch your breath and uh, maybe grab a sandwich. Yeah, I just ate a sandwich actually right before I came on. Uh, it's kind of like a late breakfast, early lunch kind of thing. I got the, both the both kiddos at home, and then the one's taking a nap. So this was it. This is the only time I was going to eat for about six o'clock tonight. What was the um, what was but, the uh, the strategy there? What what kind of what kind of brunch sandwich you have? I am the most boring person alive when it comes to this. I eat the exact same thing pretty much every single day when I'm at home. I had a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, and I had a protein shake, and that is pretty much it. That is, if, if you were to line up a hundred days of me at the house, <laughs> that I'm probably eating that ninety nine times around noon. So I, I mean that's. Uh, that's it. It might it might kill me. I don't know. Um, I'm waiting for the whole report when they come out. Like you know, it's gonna you know it's terrible for you. Peanut butter. Which well, that'll be the end. Of me. That I'll um, tell you what. You but, and I are both going down that same uh, blaze of glory there. If peanut butter is bad for us. I will see you in hell. That's fine. Yeah. I mean, look. I figure it's it's supposedly like you know people are saying, oh, it's a healthy fat as long as you work out and all stuff. Like all right, well you know, I'll take care of that end of it. But I. I am fully waiting for like the consumer report to come out with like <laughs> peanut butter all recalled. It's gonna kill you. <laughs> but, you know, something will, I guess. Anyway, I hope that's many, many, many years away because I'm looking forward to eating a lot more peanut butter, uh, crunchy or smooth, and then what kind of jelly? And then I can ask you about some football things. Uh, it, it's smooth. Crunchy is crunchy is for people who have who are deranged and uh, <laughs> jelly. I couldn't even tell you. I grape. I don't know. It, it, it's grape. I know that much, but. Uh, and not a lot of jelly either. I can't eat people who have these peanut butter jellies. The jellies are pouring off of it. Yeah. I mean, you're an adult, for, for God's sake. <laughs> put, put, put it up for a taste. If you're going to load up, put peanut butter on it. You're going to end up wearing it. So, uh, yeah, just, just a little great jelly. We're good to go. I'm okay with that. I... I like I like a crunchy peanut butter. I like all peanut butter. I'm a I'm a peanut butter lover, not a fighter. Um, I, but I'm at least with you on the jelly. Just look, just get it get it into the holes of the bread there a little bit. We don't we don't need to have a big sloppy mess. We're we're grown ups here eating our PB and J. Yes, I mean if you you know when you're when you're like ten years old, if you go out somewhere and you have a stain on your shirt because you you can't eat yet, yeah. like like a person, yeah, like, sure. Everybody's going, oh, that's fine, it's funny. You're thirty five and do that, yeah. Like, Bad luck. yeah, you know what? It's not good. It's not good. Now, that person probably uh, probably needs help through their day. Um, <laughs> because they, they either can't dress themselves or they can't eat like a person. Um, so, yeah, you don't want to do it. 
Um, we just some, and some people just need to live their life for the bib. And you know, if that's you, just just go ahead and get a bib that oh, says, sure. you know, I'm a big sloppy mess and I can't take care of myself. You know, and we get you a bib and everything's gonna be everything's gonna be fine. Um, I'll tell you, the, a bib with that on it. If you had that slogan on it, they should hand that out to every kid at college. Yes, you should have to wear that until until you turn what twenty three. I'm 23? a big sloppy mess and I can't take care of myself. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you should have to only graduate. time of your life. When it's completely acceptable to just be a, a complete disaster yeah. <laughs> every second of the day. Like, is he, is he inebriated and it's 2 o'clock on a Wednesday? Well, he's a student. Oh, okay. <laughs> Any other point in your life, right? Like, you're immediately being, you know, being told by your family to seek some kind of, a, of attention. Yes. But it, it, when you're in college, it's fine if it's Wednesday at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. You're, you're, just, you're just hammering down a course life. People are like, ah, that's all right. It's in college. What else is supposed to do? I've got, yeah. I've got one other nominee for you because of something that was very specifically happening Wednesday afternoon last week where Coors Lights were <laughs> yeah. being slammed. Um, aggressively. Aggressively. There were beers yeah. everywhere. Uh, did, you, uh, did you see or hear anything out of the, um, the Super Bowl celebration for the Chiefs? You don't have to go all the way back into the nitty-gritty of the game, but, but anything from last week's storylines that caught your eye that uh, properly celebrated the the Chiefs' uh, second Super Bowl title of this era. I don't want to say the name because I, I want to make sure I'm right. And if you know if that I'm right, shout this out. But it, was there not one player who was in like a wheelchair at the parade? Jalen Watson. Jalen Watson yeah, was in a was in a wheelchair at the end. It was perfect. Wow. Yeah. Like that. Hey, you know what? Go nuts. Um, I saw that. Was like I'm not sure if that's legitimate or not. So I didn't like comment on it. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, no. Hey, listen. Um, it was funny watching it. I was watching on television, and uh, they were, like, beeping, bleeping out, like, half the words. <laughs> and then at one point, Travis Kelsey was just making a noise that they were bleeping yes. out. And then they went back and saw the unbleeped version of it. <laughs> just, like, okay. I'm out there. If you're, if you're a Chiefs fan, you're going to love the offseason. They're going to be yes. everywhere. And if you don't like the Chiefs, God, you're going to hate them. Because... You can't get away from. You turn on SNL in two weeks. And Travis Kelsey's hosting it. It's unreal. And I, I would like to posit a guess that Mahomes will make some kind of a guest appearance. Mm-hmm. Just kind of feels like that's almost predestined to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, the only way that that's funnier is if somehow like Andy Reid also makes a guest appearance. Oh but I, man, that I can't picture. I just, I don't think he would do it, but it would be incredible. Yeah, I think the odds are. I think I think Mahomes is probably there. Seems like Jason's yeah. either going to be there or someone else will be playing Jason Kelsey. Mama Kelsey's making an appearance, maybe in some form or fashion. Yeah. Andy yeah. reads a longer shot, but I I do I do think we got to put it out into the universe. Would Would NBC allow Frank Clark or Chris Jones to be there? Like just <sighs> just from sheer terror that it's live. Yeah, they've seen Frank Clark post game interviews. I think Frank Clark they'd have to they'd have to say Frank, you're welcome to join us, but it's going to have to be in one of the uh, one of the taped sketches. Yeah, yeah, We're... that'd probably be the smart way to go. I think. Like, it I has feel to like be. you could trust Chris Jones. I feel like Frank yeah. Clark, anything's on the table. Yeah, 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 yeah. Literally anything might be on the literal table. I, it's impossible I, to impossible to say. I will say, tweet it out. Uh, God, it must have been a couple. Of, I think actually the night it came out with, with Fallon, where he, he said he was going to be on SNL. Mm-hmm. If they don't have Kelsey playing the Cincinnati mayor, it's a complete failure. 
They have to have some sketch where Travis Kelsey is forced to be the Cincinnati Bears. You're because so right. That, that, that's been a storyline for a month now. you yes. got to capitalize. Oh man! And the mayor of Cincy might have thought he finally got out of the out of the line of fire. The Chiefs won the Super Bowl. It's all. No, you're right. He is getting dunked on on SNL. That's going to be a that's going to be an interesting one to come back from for the career of a politician is being a villain in an SNL sketch. It's funny because no one will like in Cincinnati will care about any of that stuff. But many, (laughs) many, many people, when they have to vote for the next mayor, will look at his name in Cincinnati and go, "He cost the CAC championship game." Yeah, like. Really didn't, but that's what people will always remember him for that are yeah. Bengals fans. But that yeah. guy got the Chiefs riled up to the hilt for that game. Um, so congratulations. Good for him. Whoever's running against him, just call him Mayor Jabroni for the entire debate cycle. And, and I think you're, I think you're all of a sudden you're an elected official. I, I feel like that would one. I feel like that one would work. Um, I want to ask you about football that was played this weekend. I have no idea how much, if any, of the XFL that you watched. We haven't gotten super deep into it yet, but like the uh, the, the the fourth down onside kick alternative, the uh, yeah. the alternatives to going for one, two, and three points. I, I think there are different elements of it that could make sense to the NFL level, and some that could be kind of a stretch, but. Of the the half of a game I watched, I watched the end of the battle, the second half of the the Battle Hawks Brahmas game, and awesome. I, I was yeah, I, I enjoyed it. So it sounds yep. like you did too. No, I'm completely. Kidding. I didn't watch one second. Oh, no, um, no, no. I had Briscoe, fun. It was football. I, I spent, yeah, kind of. Look, I've spent <laughs> the last seven months doing nothing but watching football, talking about football, right now. But let me say. I am happy to do it. Sure. I can't believe that I'm paid a salary to do it. Okay, so I'm not complaining. But, but by the time the Super Bowl's <laughs> over, I'm like, I need two weeks face down. Yeah. Like I, I, because I go to the, I go to the Senior Bowl in Mobile. Yeah. I come back for two days, two and a half days, and then I'm off to the Super Bowl. I know there are people out there listening. Oh, it's a real tough life. Look, I get, I'm not complaining. But by the time I get back, I've been down in Phoenix for eight days. It is. It is a lot of work, yes. and I am I'm ready to lay down. Then I got the combine next week. I'll be in, I'll be leaving literally this time next week for Indianapolis, um, and so yeah, there's a lot there's a lot going on. That said, I have I, I know what the rules are, and I know the rule changes and everything else, the alterations. I mean, look, I think I think the three point play is kind of gimmicky. Yeah, like I, I wouldn't get into that, but I do like the idea of like fourth and fifteen instead of an offside kick. Me too, because. It's basically impossible now to get an onside kick with the rule changes. And so, look, play it out. Fourth and 15, you get one shot at it. And it's not easy, but it's reasonable. That being said, if you're the Chiefs, my God, you can't vote for that fast enough. Right. Yes, absolutely. But would you just go for it every time? Yeah. that is. What are the odds that they complete that? 50%? 40%? I mean, I think a shot. It would change. It would change the game. It was when I saw last night or yesterday, whenever that game was. Um, the 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 confines in the XFL rules, like if it's, I think it's only uh, only available to you if you're trailing in the fourth quarter or something like that, which feels like the preemptive Mahomes clause. Like that's just so if you have Patrick Mahomes, you can't do it to open the game. That's uh, that's interesting. It's probably a smart way to go about it through the XFL because you could have a situation where it gets ridiculous. Yeah. But it, yeah, it kept I mean, that game interesting longer. It was it was kind of fun. Here's here would here'd be something that would be fascinating. Let's say the NFL puts that in. 
And they're like, okay, look, same deal. Like, you can only use it in the fourth quarter for trailing. Chiefs score. They're down seven. They score. They get to within one. Do they just say, we're going to go for two? Because you need to lead. Or you don't get the lead. And then you have an opportunity to put the ball back in his hands instead of putting the defense on the field for the final yeah, two minutes of the game. I like that. I like the and that was the thing with like, <laughs> Jesus intentionally, but we don't care. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. Who cares? Boys want to get you know, fourth and fifteen, or we take the lead one way or the other. Yes, fourth and fifteen conversion, one twenty-five yard line, fourth quarter only. And uh, I was going to see if I could find the exact like rule book layout because yeah, I at that point, yeah, sure, being down one, you either you either take the lead with the ball or you get a chance to do it again later on on your your onside fourth and fifteen play. I. I think there could be some fun sort of game management things like that, but um, you know, I also don't begrudge anybody who who wanted a little bit of a, a of a chance to nurse the football hangover for a couple of weeks. I don't I don't blame you. Yeah, I mean, I went out to dinner with my wife, and then we went out for a, a nightcap, and there was at the at the place we were at the pub we were at. There was a TV up on top, and I, I did I did see um, just kind of in passing. It was like Houston was playing. I don't know who they were playing, but. I know, I know uh, Wade Phillips is coaching Houston. I know they won. And the other team, I, I, for the life, my camera who it was, <laughs> um, Paxton Lynch got benched for them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I was sitting there thinking to myself, like, the Chiefs and Cowboys actively tried to trade up to draft Paxton Lynch. I know. Failed. I know. And then the following year, Kansas City took Patrick Mahomes. Like, that is one of these days, my journalistic career, that's going to be one of the pinnacles. Like, I'm going to talk to everybody involved. And write an oral history of that. And I'm not sure that John Elway is going to be excited to participate in that one. <laughs> but it's just like, can you imagine what the world looks like if the Chiefs had successfully traded up and drafted back to lunch? I don't want to. I mean, it, right, right. I'll tell you what, there would be a, no uh, no cores like George in Kansas City from last Wednesday. No. Um, no. But, and then ironically, who does Mahomes start his first game against in his career? Paxton Lynch. Unreal. Well, just a crazy thing. Like, when you really think about that, like, just all the sliding doors that could have gone, like, ain't going to happen, you know. Or, heck, the Chiefs drafted Mahomes 10th. Do you know who drafted right ahead of them that year? Were the, were the Broncos right up there? No, it was the Bengals who took John Ross. Oh, yeah. Oh, that John Ross who, pick, who, yeah. Who now is in the Chiefs, yes. I, oddly enough. Yes, but. They took John Ross, and it wasn't like they were in a spot where you're like, they'd never take a quarterback. Like, they had the end stages of Andy Dalton. Yep. Like, they could have, and of course, instead they took Burrow a few years later, and that's worked out. And then who did the Chiefs acquire the pick from? The Bills. Yep. <laughs> it's it's it unreal. Really, it's what? No, nah, listen, the Bills and the Bengals, it's worked out. They have great quarterbacks. But it's just funny, like, when you really stop and think about all those teams that could have taken him. And none of them did. And, yeah, you know, so it's just, you know, hey, that's the way it goes. I mean, Joe Montana was a third-round pick. Everybody could take it him two and a half times off. But sometimes the, the trades you don't make, God, that, you can't give up on the Paxton Lynch experiment after one year to go get this kid out of Texas Tech. You got you to gotta give Paxton a shot. Boy, right. I'm, I'm glad that's not the timeline that uh, that we're in. Uh, speaking of guys changing teams and, and very much uh, related with the Chiefs here, wh- what did you make of the end result here for Eric Bieniemy, where he officially this weekend or late Friday, um, Friday afternoon, he, he officially signed on as the offensive coordinator and assistant head coach for the Washington Commanders? Right. What did you make of that being kind of the the in 
end of the Eric Bieniemy saga here, at least, as he looks to continue his career in Washington and then eventually as a head coach somewhere? What went into that? So, for the chief side of it, I mean, look, I think everybody expects Matt Nagy is going to become the offensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. And what's really interesting is who's going to replace him as the quarterback's coach because that might be the best job in the NFL. Yeah. Right? I mean, to borrow the line from Sam Weiss, the former Bengals head coach, used to be the quarterback's coach for Joe Montana in San Francisco. You fold your arms, you take two big steps back. That's how you become a great coach. <laughs> like, you just, you just stand there. Um, so that'll be interesting to see how they backfill the, the QB coach spot, assuming Nagy elevates. And then there was a report, I think it was Aaron Wilson of Pro Football Network, who said that, it, you know, essentially Nagy would be the head coach in waiting. Now, I always, mm-hmm. look, nothing against Aaron Wilson, it does a great job. I, I always kind of hesitate with stuff like that. A lot of things can change year to year. Yeah. Like, if they go out and score 35 points a game here and win another Super Bowl, Matt Nagy's going to have offers. Yeah. Is he going to stick around? Is he going to wait? Maybe he would. Maybe he's to screw it. I'll wait for Andy to retire. But Andy's 64 years old. What if Andy decides to coach for six or seven more years? Yep. Then what? Yep. Like, you know, so I think for Kansas City, look, Nagy will elevate and they'll backfill. Now, as far as the enemy goes, I mean, look, we've talked about this. I think it's really unfair that he's got to go do this. I, they've never – Nagy left. Peterson left. None of those guys called the plays. They got head coaching jobs. The enemy – is there something to the idea that he doesn't interview well? Maybe with some teams, but he's obviously a very strong personality. For some teams, that's a good thing. For some, it's not. Um, but I think he deserves a shot. I think he's deserved a shot for years. Now, he's going to Washington because he looks at this and says, if I can go there with a defensive-minded head coach, I'm going to get full control of the offense. It's my baby. And if I can elevate that group with Sam Howell and Terry McLaurin and so on and so forth, nobody can sit there and say, well, it's not because of you, it's because of Andy Reid. The downside of that is that I fear for him is – you're going to a place that Sam Howell is your quarterback. Mm-hmm. And if that doesn't go well, people are going to say, well, look at that. The Chiefs are still scoring 30 points a game, and Washington's offense isn't good, and therefore it was all justified if the enemy didn't get a head coaching gig, and I think that's nonsense. But I think that's going to be the reality of Washington's not really good offensively. And so he's taking a big risk, but I applaud the enemy for betting on himself. Do you think that if if he does see success there, is, is that going to be a, a one year or two year stop before he's getting actual head coaching opportunities for real this time? Or and also, do you think that that Sam Howell is legitimately who they are planning on going in the twenty twenty three with? Uh I think right now he is, yeah, because they're not they're not going back to Wentz stay that much, yeah. and they're not. Heineke is a free agent. I don't know that you're overly excited about bringing him back. Like, at that point, don't you just put Sam Howell out there and say, well, let's see what we've got now. Yeah. Could you draft a guy? Maybe. They're, they're drafted in the middle of the first round. It's possible. Um, do you do you go out and you try to sign somebody? Maybe. Um, but, yeah, I think Howell right now is the guy you look at. And As far as the enemy, I don't know. You know, I'd love to say, yeah, if they perform well and they're a playoff team, they're good offensively, he's going to get a gig. But, he hasn't gotten one yet. And he's, yeah. he's literally interviewed with half the teams in the NFL. Yeah. So it's hard to sit here and say, yeah, I think he's going to get a job. I, I don't at this juncture. I don't think he's going to get a job. I think he deserves one. I think he deserved one three, four, five years ago. But um, I think that of all the coaches in recent memory, nobody has been cast aside more 
than Eric Bieniemy. You hear these people a lot. Says, "Well, he doesn't interview well." Okay, I'm not even here to argue that. Like, you know what? Maybe he doesn't interview well um, for whatever the reason. Maybe it's either he's, he's just somebody who's really intense, and that's all. Putting to some people, maybe he comes in. It's kind of a you know, listen, we're going to do this my way. And a lot of owners, they, they don't want somebody to come into it there. They want somebody to come into it the owner's way. Um, there's a reason that for months or for a month, Ursay wanted to hire Jeff Saturday. Mm-hmm. Like, because he can control Jeff Saturday. Like, so there's always, there's always elements to this. I hope the enemy gets a job, but I have no idea if he ever will. What about the rest of the quarterbacks? Talking to Matt Verderam, a fan sided stacking the box. You follow him on Twitter at Matt Verderam. The uh, the quarterback carousel is Aaron Rodgers may or may not be in a dark cave right now. Derek Carr is free to do what what he sees fit. That saga ends in kind of a bizarre but somewhat predictable way there in Vegas. Um, are, are there yep. any of those relationships that you see making a lot of sense? Are there any teams that you feel like are genuinely a, a quarterback away that ought to be in one of the uh, one of the the Rodgers or Carr or Jimmy G or Jameis Winston sweepstakes. Not even to mention Lamar Jackson, which obviously is still up in the air, too. Yeah, so I actually wrote about this this morning over Fanside for my column because it's, it's middle of February. What else are you going to write about? Mm-hmm. And so I wrote, I kind of just wrote, like, as a thought exercise, let's play the game. So, all right, if Carr, Carr's visiting with the Jets right now, he visited before the Saints before he got released. Rodgers, at some point, is going to emerge from this this panic room that he's in with no lights and if you and if anybody tells you that they know what he's thinking they're a liar like mm-hmm. anything's possible he could come out of there and say he's gonna go play basketball yeah i believe it <laughs> um i don't think it matters what he thinks because i think the packers are done with him hmm. i think the packers are ready to trade him and move on and be done with this mm-hmm. um jordan love is entering the fourth year of his rookie deal they need to find out what they have in him and I don't think they think they can win a Super Bowl anymore in Rodgers, because they can't, because the roster's not good enough. So, um, and they'll move him while he stole his value. Now, the two teams that are the obvious leaders in the clubhouse right now are the Jets and the Raiders. Carr's not going back to the Raiders. You can scratch that off. Mm-hmm. The Jets are the pivot point here. Do the Jets, who could sign Carr right now, anybody can, he's a free agent. Do you, do you sign him now and say, we're not going to wait for Rodgers to come out of the panic room? Mm-hmm. Or... Do you wait and say, okay, we hope that Aaron Rodgers is going to want to come here and we'll outbid the Raiders for him and so on and so forth? If, if Rodgers goes to the Raiders, and I think it makes all the sense in the world that Carr goes to the Jets, it gets really interesting, though, if Rodgers goes to the Jets, because then I think Jimmy G probably goes to the Raiders. I mean, mm-hmm. who knows him better than McDaniels? Mm-hmm. So, and by the way, there's also a world where Jimmy G, if Carr decides to go to the NFC, out, Jimmy G also has a lot of ties to the Jets. So, I think for all those guys, I mean, Carr, I'm looking at and saying, all right, the Jets, maybe it may be Panthers Saints. For Rodgers, I think it's Jets or Raiders. Maybe a mystery team emerges. That's always possible with this stuff. Um, you know, then, then you look at Garoppolo, Jets and Raiders make a ton of sense. I mean, he, he's got ties with both of them because of the coaching staffs. Uh, and then Jackson, look, I threw this out earlier and I, I threw this out not as a report, but just as kind of walking through it mentally. If Lamar Jackson, if that thing doesn't go well in Baltimore, for whatever the reason, they tag him, they can't find a deal, whatever. The Atlanta Falcons, to me, make all the sense in the world. Ton of sense. Like, they're in the NFC. They have a top ten pick. Arthur Blank is an owner who will spend money. They're one of the few franchises in the NFL that, like, they actually have to think about selling tickets. 
So you have all those things going, not to mention that Jackson played at Louisville, which is six hours away from Atlanta. Um, and who's the most famous and most revered athlete? I don't know if revered is the right word, but most uh, electrifying athlete in Atlanta's history for the Falcons is Michael Vick. Yep. Well, Lamar Jackson is like a souped-up version of Michael Vick. And on top of that, they play a system right. that fits perfectly with how Lamar Jackson played with Arthur Smith as the head coach. So is that some, like, oh, it's a done deal? No, I mean, like half the league would be interested if Lamar Jackson's on the block. But I think Atlanta, who, by the way, was all in for Deshaun Watson and right. just didn't get him. Right. Like, all in. Let me tell you right now, Desmond Ritter is not going to be the reason the Falcons don't get Lamar Jackson. They yep. Got no. yep. So I would I would watch Atlanta. Atlanta, to me, there's a lot of boxes checked with Atlanta if Jackson ends up on the market. I think that that makes all the sense in the world. I don't know. I, I would. I guess I would probably still bet on it on Baltimore getting it figured it out because I just don't. Sure. I don't know that overhauling your franchise there because you can't figure your things you know, out with your franchise quarterback makes sense. But it's it's been weird though. That was a weird way to end the season for them. You know what? Those, the other part of it's this. I like. I agree with your premise. If Baltimore, I think, would pay him just about whatever he wants. The problem is, Baltimore has been very, very cautious in terms of guaranteed money. Mm. And Lamar Jackson, by all accounts, wants all of it guaranteed, yeah. or almost all of it, at least guaranteed. And I think if you're the Ravens, I mean, Lamar Jackson has missed a lot of time the last two years, mm. and it's not been good. I mean, they have one without him, so it's not like the Ravens can sit there and say, well, you know, we don't need him. I mean, they certainly need him. But the other part of it that is weird, they've offered him, by all accounts, like serious contracts, no traction, nothing. Does he want to be there? I mean, that's a fair question to ask at this point. Do you want to be there? And if he doesn't want to, if that's the case, maybe it is, maybe it isn't, but if that's the case, I think if you're the Ravens, at some point, you have to just deal him. I mean, you, you can't let him walk in a couple of years. You can't have that happen. So, you know, this tag, I'll leave it on this. The 30, so the, the franchise tag in the NFL right now, that everybody keeps talking about the NFL, $32 million for a quarterback. But that's the non-exclusive tag. Like, if mm-hmm. you sign him to a $32 million deal, or excuse me, $32 million tag, any team in the league can sign Jackson to an offer sheet structured however they want, and the Ravens would have to then have a week to match it in the exact terms. And if they don't, they don't, they lose him, and they get two first-round picks. How many teams would be willing to do that? A lot, I would think. A ton. Yeah. Like two first-round picks is less than what Russell Wilson went for. With no with, I, with no restriction on where those picks are in the first round or anything like that. I mean, it's just whatever right. whatever that team it, is. It, it's two first, nothing more than that. And I've seen a lot of people oddly say, like, yeah, I think that's the tag. If that's the tag they give him, he's going to get a long-term offer from somebody. I mean, yeah. that's coming. Now, they can give him the non-exclusive, or excuse me, they give him the exclusive tag. That's $45 million. Mm-hmm. So what are you going to do? Because if you give him the non-exclusive tag, you are playing a very dangerous game that some team with an inordinate amount of cap space this year goes, cool, $50 million in the first year. Now what? Now what are you going to do? Like, it, they can poison pill you. And that's where, if, if, you're, if you're a team that wants to do that, 
What do you care if you give up two first-round picks? That's way less than the going rate. Deshaun Watts, with all this stuff going on, he he was worth three first-plus. Crazy. So I think Baltimore is almost in a position where they've got to give me exclusive or say, hey, we're willing to match any offer that comes in here or lose him for 60 cents on the dollar. It's a really dangerous game to play. The, the team that ought to use the non-exclusive tag on their quarterback is the Giants. Because if, the, if somebody wants to give the Giants yeah. two first-round picks for Daniel Jones, everybody's happy. <laughs> oh, everybody's yeah. happy there, and they can get away with it. But yeah, yeah I, I'm completely with you on, on Lamar. Yes. Have you, you ever seen the movie, uh, oh, God, it's called Liar, Liar with Jim Carrey? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Where they're at one point, in the, in the, he's in the court, and he just starts slamming the table with his hands and starts screaming, settle, settle, settle. Like, I feel like that would be the Giants if yes. somebody offered yes. uh, a contract to Daniel Jones. They were getting two first-round picks. Um, yes, like, they could do that. And, like, most teams, like, if the Chiefs tag Orlando Brown, like, of course yep. they're giving an exclusive tag. No team's giving the Chiefs two first-round picks for Orlando Brown. So you're fine there. Well, Mark Jackson's a whole other story. Like, if... That's like that's like if in a couple of years the Chargers and Justin Herbert can't agree, and the Chargers are just like, eh, non exclusive, it'll be fine. And it's twenty teams signed into an offer sheet. Like it's just anything's impossible. I mean, that would be. I just I think if you're Baltimore at that point, if you saw, if they do that and they put them on the non exclusive, to me that says we're going to let somebody take care of this whole contract business for us, yeah. and if we're cool with it. Well, we're good because if they match it, he's got to sign with them to that deal. Mm-hmm. Like he, that's it. But you know, the Ravens are taking a shot in the dark because if Atlanta or somebody like that comes in, ah, fifty-five million first year, good luck. Like, what are you going to do? You're screwed at that point. Like, you're not working out some signings, right? That's it. He's going there, and you're getting two firsts for a guy who's, in my opinion, if you were to trade him straight up. You probably could get three first, couple of seconds, maybe a third. Like, you get way more than two first round picks from Lamar Jackson. He's twenty six years old. It's crazy. I can't wait to see how that plays out. And last thing for you, Matt, you mentioned the name that I wanted to ask you about because I just think that our answers on this might evolve over the course of the off season. But the franchise tag window opens tomorrow, runs through the first week of March, so you certainly wouldn't yep. expect any action to start tomorrow, I wouldn't think. But what do you uh what well, what is your best bet on what happens with Orlando Brown Jr. this off season? By the way, you're probably right about like not expecting action, but I remember a couple of years ago when that tag window opened and we were in Indianapolis and Brett Beach tagged Chris Jones like an hour into the window. You're right. So, I forgot about that. These things happen. You're right. Okay, um, good call. But uh, I, I think I think they're going to they're going to tag him. Mm-hmm. I'd be shocked if they don't tag him. And then it just becomes a waiting game, right? July 15th is the deadline, as it is every year. You got you know, to sign into a long-term deal. I will say this. I think there's more urgency for the Chiefs this time around because if you don't sign him long-term, he's pretty much leaving after the season. Yeah. And that is a problem. Like, I know there are people who say, well, he's, you know, he's good, he's not great. Hey, it's nice to have a good left tackle. Mm-hmm. And down the stretch, played really, really well. Now, the other part of it with them is, too, you got Chris Jones, Willie Gay, but Jerry Sneed, Frank Clark, all the one year left on their deals. You can't. Like, you've got to figure that out now, because you want to have all those guys taken care of. You know, Frank Clark, he's a different deal because he's basically kind of thirty million against the cap. Like 
the question with him, are they going to cut him or are they going to extend him and bring the number down? Right. I mean, that's – but, you know, Jones Jones is a guy I, I think pretty obviously is worth the extension. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Jerry Sneed is terrific. But you want to have everybody taken care of going forward for whoever you want to keep and maybe have either Jones or Sneed left open-ended because then you can tag them. You don't want mm-hmm. both of them plus Brown plus Gabe to be hitting the market. That's a real easy way – to lose, you know, three or four stars off your team. So, I think the Chiefs this year. Look, it starts with tagging Brown, but most of that money they have, I think you got to use it internally to keep the team together and, and go from there. Matt Verderam of Fansided on Twitter at Matt Verderam. Check out Stacking the Box again. The piece up today as well, taking a little look at the quarterback carousel. Eric Bieniemy going to Washington. Some interesting stuff on exactly how young the uh, the Arizona Cardinals are, and some other things going on around the league uh, that are all really worth your time. Again, all up on Fansided.com over there in the NFL section. Links are up on the Twitter account at Matt Verderam. Matt, I appreciate it. Good luck with the PB and J. Hope that gives you the energy you need for the rest of your day. Oh, it will. Take care. <laughs> it never lets you down. Matt Verderam uh, with us here in the zone on Sports Radio 810 WHB. Joshua Briscoe and Beers McFly with you here today. Jason Anderson out. He'll be back soon. And uh, we'll talk some more about all this football stuff when we come back. Because I, I think there are a few things that Matt mentioned there at the end that are going to put the Chiefs offseason in some interesting places. Not bad places. I actually like where the Chiefs stand. I'll tell you why next. The Zone with Jason Anderson. This is the Vince McBank on Sports Radio 810 WHB. I won't always over explain the liners, but that one's such a deep cut from uh, the first time the XFL got rebooted. I just need to let everyone know that what you heard there, Beards, you still have it open. Can you just isolate just the uh, the name you said there at the end? Yeah, give me one sec. That is, in fact, the voice of Beards McFly. That was him discussing the man at the helm of the XFL's original reboot, also best known for the WWE. That is, of course, Vince McMahon. Vince McMahon. Listen, sometimes talking is hard. I get it, man. Or as you might say, McMersh. Vince McMahon. That's Vince McMahon was the name Beard was trying to say one more time. Vince McMahon. <laughs> Every time it makes me just so happy. I I did like a couple of the things the XFL was doing yesterday. I, I we talked about it a little bit there with Vertoram, but I don't. I don't think the one point, two point, three point conversion thing is probably ever going to make sense at the NFL level for two reasons. One is that having a like a series of designed one point plays, which I think are from the two yard line, and then three point plays for maybe like the four or five. I I can't remember exactly, but the idea of like Andy Reid having to burn like five of those plays in one game seems really unlikely, even if you're just trying to. You know, use your offensive line. Maybe the 2022 Eagles would have would have been cool with that because their their power running game was so effective. And you know, it's it all comes down to the O line. I can see that being a little more transformative to the game than it would like for it to be. But the fourth and fifteen from I believe your own 25 yard line. I closed the rule sheet I had open here. Um, but it's deep back in your own territory. You you play it as if it's fourth and fifteen. You get one play, and if you convert, the drive continues from there. You keep the ball. If you don't convert, 
the other team takes the ball from the point of the snap. And if you can only do it in the fourth quarter when you're trailing, it's not like you can't do it as a you know a, a make it take it sort of mechanism. Which, if you're the Chiefs, would be very tempting. When you think about that as being a direct response to the fact that the onside kick has been all but phased out of the modern game, not the attempts of it, but its effectiveness has been all but phased out of the modern game. I, I like that. I like that as a as an alternative for a team to have a chance to erase a deficit there at the end. Now, in the, the game where that was in play, when the Battlehawks came back, I've been watching enough of that game to know that their points were extremely hard to come by, and they were in desperation mode, but they score, keep the ball, go score again, win the game. Did the best team win that game? No, I, I don't think it did from the amount of it that I watched. It seemed like San Antonio was the better team. And so maybe the the make-it-take-it possibilities are really just there for the underdogs. But it was a good product. And maybe it adds a little more randomness, but maybe it also adds a little more fun. Now, again, if you're in a Super Bowl-type game and you think you can turn the tides with two good minutes at the end of the game, I could see that being kind of unfulfilling. I also could see that being extremely entertaining to know that being down 14 with two minutes left isn't the end of the world, actually. Like, there is a chance, if you have the ball there, that you can still make that happen. Unlikely, but could be fun. I, I enjoyed that. Here's my, uh, and actually, Beards, you tell me. I know we've only been back for a second. We talked about Vern McMurray, and I gave you my real quick XFL take. Uh-huh. Also, that I I like the idea of this being something I could watch to figure out, hey, if A.J. McCarron is a backup quarterback for the Chiefs next year competing with Shane Bouchelle, what am I seeing? I, I've, I've talked many times over about how I, I would like for there to be kind of an affiliation for NFL teams to, quote, unquote, minor league type squads from the XFL or AAF or whoever it may be because then you could actually watch Shane Bouchelle play spring football, I would tune in for that. I really would. But Beards, I really want to get a quick Chiefs take out there. And so I think if we take a break now, we can come back and stretch our legs a tiny bit in our next segment. That works. And I can give you my, my big mastermind take about how this Chiefs offseason could really go by pretty darn smoothly with like three moves. Let's go ahead and do that. Yeah, that's right. It's a tease of a tease, because I kind of teased this last segment, but this time I mean it. I want to talk about a couple of quick, easy signings the Chiefs could make that could really make the rest of this offseason pretty low stress and continue to help them reload for the future. It's a cool way to look at it. I'll try to sell you on it next. You're in the zone. The motto that I've, I've held very close to my heart is, if you can't do it, don't try. With Jason Anderson. It's got me very far in life. On Sports Radio 810 WHB. Okay, no more teasing. I want to tell you something I stumbled upon looking at some of the Chiefs offseason moves they could be making that I just think could take a little bit of stress out of all of this for everybody. It partially starts with Juan Thornhill's deal and and what his market may be. Um, PFF and a few other places have kind of put together the 
um, projected markets for some of these guys, and the safety market this year has uh, quite a few good players in it. To the point that what I've seen so far from Juan Thornhill's potential market, and we'll get more in the nitty-gritty of this as we go, but the numbers that I have seen have not scared me off one bit. It seems like incredibly fair market value for Thornhill. And I just want you to think about what it could mean to go ahead and lock him up for the next two years. Again, if it's a two-year deal where about a year and a half of it is guaranteed, not that, you know, a season and a half, but you know, year one's guaranteed, the second year's mostly guaranteed or partially guaranteed, so it'd be hard to cut after one year. If you want to guarantee two full years, basically, I'd I'd be tempted, depending on what the number would be, if that would keep the overall number down a little. If the Chiefs do sign Juan Thornhill to a, a couple-year deal, and as Verderam mentioned earlier this hour, look, Legarius Sneed is going into the last year of his deal, Willie Gay is going into the last year of his deal, Right now, Chris Jones is going into the last year of his deal. If they uh, franchise tag Orlando Brown Jr. and don't extend him, he'd be going into the last year of his deal. Uh, Right now, the actual pending free agents, Brown, Thornhill, Wiley, are all certainly high on that list. But if the Chiefs do figure something out here with Juan Thornhill, I want you to take a look at the secondary. Where if they use some money on Snead this offseason to extend him going forward, this could extend even even longer down the road. But Justin Reed just completed his first season with the Chiefs. Jalen Watson and Brian Cook and Joshua Williams and Trent McDuffie all just finished the first year of their rookie deals with the Chiefs. And if you sign Thornhill to a deal where he's sticking around for the next couple seasons, the only piece you have to reevaluate in the next two years is Legarius Sneed, who I do believe the Chiefs are going to be willing to pay. Just because he is such a Swiss Army knife who also can travel, who can also blitz out of the slot, who can do pretty much anything you want. Even though they drafted all these young corners and got great results out of so many of them so far, I think the Chiefs will be willing to pay LeJarius Sneed without feeling like they absolutely have to pay him. But if they lock up Juan Thornhill, and again, I'm not talking about now planning beyond these next couple seasons because you're still going to want to use draft picks to refill your depth and replan for the long haul. But next year, it's the exact same secondary, just with more experience. And you've got Nick Bolton still with a couple years left. Willie Gay with this upcoming year still left. Leo Chanel just finished the first year of his rookie deal. You get Chris Jones done in the middle. Your best defensive player is locked up. George Karlathis just finished the first year of his rookie deal. This is what I'm talking about here. This is the promise of the draft class of the Tyreek Hill trade of everything that comes after. The Chiefs could go into this offseason with their defense, the vast majority of it being the exact same guys it was this year, just with another year of experience in the NFL and with another year of experience playing together. You can just pour draft picks into the trenches, maybe get your wide receiver, and this team's in really, really good shape without big-name additions. We go back to basketball with Matt Tate next.